Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Acts 16 and verse number one, we'll read five verses together. When you're there, say a hearty amen. 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 All right. Let's read together. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named yeah, there we have him again. He shows up a lot in Scripture. The son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren, which were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the, of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep, those decrees that were mentioned in in chapter number 15 about how they were to abstain from fornication, they abstain from meat offered to idols, etc. And uh, so that that council that was gathered there in Jerusalem that, that determined they weren't to live by the laws of the, of the Jews, the ceremonial laws of the Jews, but they were to keep certain of these practices. And so they're delivering these decrees for to keep that were ordained to the apostles and the elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth that does indeed change our lives like we heard testified tonight. And Lord, I pray that there, there would be no young people here tonight that would go years upon years wondering about their own salvation, but every single one would have a personal testimony of salvation. And that, Lord, you could work in their lives because they are, they're born again and they're following after you. So I pray that you would stir in every heart to, to know that for certain, Lord, I also uh, am reminded that you, you told us in Scripture that we are to work out, we are to think about our own salvation with fear and trembling. And I pray that it would be true that everyone would, would know for certain that they're on their way to heaven and then serve you, for we will see you soon and we look forward to that day. Help us, Lord, to be serious about your work as Timothy was. Help us to be a serious church. Not, Lord, that, that we wouldn't have any time of fun or enjoy what we're doing but that we be serious that we be sober-minded in the work that you've given us to do and we pray this in jesus name amen as we were uh in uruguay and driving towards the camp brother brother perez uh noted a building a dilapidated building uh to me and he says do you know what that is and uh i said well i i don't he says that that's an old waldensian church how many of you have heard of the waldensians few of you. Uh, does anyone know the founder of the Waldensians? P. 
Peter Waldo. And it's not where's Waldo. I mean, it is, it is it's actually a guy, Peter Waldo. But uh, it was a, a Christian movement that originated in the 12th century France. And uh, the, the followers of Peter Waldo, he was a, he was a preacher, and, and the followers of Peter Waldo uh, were very simple in their Christianity. They rejected the tenets of Catholicism. And uh, Peter Waldo led them to be very fervent and to spread with the, with the preaching of the Bible in their simplicity. But as such, we understand that, that those that do live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, and indeed, they did, and were even uh, persecuted by the Catholic Church. It was interesting to just realize that uh, these, these had taken up residence, some had taken up residence, quite a, a group of them had in, in the nation of Uruguay, but their, their church has become very, very liberal today. Brother, Brother Perez was sharing with me a story of he and another preacher that went to see uh, one of the leaders of the Waldensian church today, and he asked him a curious question. He says, if, if Peter Waldo was alive today, would he accept your church or would he be a part of your church the guy thought for a moment and says i don't believe so and we wouldn't either peter waldo led many many people to be slaughtered by the catholic church because of their their strong stand on scripture and so he felt that even their founder had not done the right thing by leading them to be so committed to scripture that they would even give up their lives for it and the Waldensian church there today is, uh, is, is just a shell of what it used to be and certainly does not stand on doctrine today. I thought that was interesting because it is possible and it is, is seen, illustrated time and time again of churches and believers who once had a strong stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, but years down the road do not stand in that same way. And even as I passed by that building, I thought, what a, what a picture, what a picture of what happens when we compromise the doctrine of the faith. And I realize in looking at Timothy's life, Timothy was a, a unique young man. He was found by the Apostle Paul on the first missionary journey. When Paul came to his town, Lystra, Paul, do you remember what happened to him? He was stoned to death in that town. He got up and he went back into town and continued to preach and he had to move on to the next city. And I, I want us to realize that, that that took a lot of courage on the part of the Apostle Paul. And perhaps he left Lystra that, that day and, and felt like, I, I, don't, I wonder what actually happened there. I, I wonder if anything spiritually good would come out of it. Well, as Paul went back to Jerusalem and we understand the Jerusalem Council, there were some questions that needed to be addressed there. And that was simply getting together a bunch of, uh, of pastors, the elders there, and saying, hey, we've run up against this problem. Well, how do we apply the word of God to this? And they said, well, this is how we apply the word of God. And then they took that back out of the churches. They were not adding to the word of God. They were simply making applications of the word of God. And so as Paul begins to follow up and go back to these different churches, he comes back to Lystra on his second missionary journey. I want you to notice this on the map. He comes back to Lystra on his second missionary journey, and he finds there this disciple, a, a certain disciple that the Holy Spirit wants you and I to know about, and he wants every teenager here to know about this young man. We've already established maybe, maybe uh, that Timothy was about how old? 16 or so, okay? So here he is in, in Lystra and you see Iconium, those are about 25 miles apart. And here he finds a certain disciple. And, and I, I noticed that, that, that Timothy was a young man that Paul was going to be able to bring along on his journey, but the Bible notes some things here in the book of Acts that are important for us to realize here was a serious young man. 
And just like churches need to be serious, the members of a church must be serious if that church will be serious about the things of God. You see, if we're not serious individually about doctrine, about the truth of doctrine, then we'll not be serious as a church. If we're not serious about missions, then we'll not, uh, individually we'll not be serious as a church. If we're not serious about giving up our lives for the cause of Christ, individually we'll not be serious as a church. And so Timothy is a man that we can look at and say, hey, there's a young man that was very serious about the things of God. And he was moved to follow after the things of God. And so notice I want us to see that Timothy was this man that, that had, had a sobriety about him. Later on, the Bible would tell us in, in First and Second Timothy, hey, uh, Timothy, you're to tell the older men to teach the younger men to do what? Well, we need to turn there, don't we? I want you to turn to Titus, first of all. I want you to turn to Titus 2 and verse number 6. Because our older men here tonight need to know what the Bible says about this. Look at Titus 2 and verse number 6. And I want all the men to read out loud with me together. Are you ready? Here we go. Young men likewise exhort to be sober. So there is this matter, this matter of exhorting, encouraging the young men to be sober. We find the same connotation of the same thought process happen over in 1 Timothy, that the, the older are to teach the younger women and, 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 and so on, and the, the older men to teach the younger men, but it all comes back around this sobriety of mind. What is so, on sober? It's, it's not being intoxicated. It's not being controlled by other influences. It's having a, a seriousness, a focus on what is at hand. And so the older men are to teach the younger men to be sober. Well, that's something that the younger men here ought to, to welcome. And the older men ought to say, you know what? Here's, here's a time to be sober. Uh, hey, it, it's important to know when to, to have fun and when it's time to, to focus in. Wouldn't you all agree? And that's a, that's a matter of maturity. And as we bring up children in the Lord, you know, we understand little children, they might, they might have fun and, and goof around and, and different things, but as they grow up, we're to, we're to be teaching them how to, to focus in and how to focus in on the things of the Lord and, and when to do what and, and so on. And so uh, Titus was told by Paul, listen, you're to exhort the, the younger men to be sober-minded, to have a focused mind. Titus 2 and verse number 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly righteously and godly what is that that teaches us this grace grace is what teaches us to be sober-minded and so let's notice how timothy was sober or serious in the uh, in the things of christ notice first of all in verse number one he was serious about following christ he was serious about following christ are you serious about following christ now think about it notice in verse number one here acts 16 verse 1 he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, now you tell me the next three words. All together, a certain disciple. All together, once again, a certain disciple. All right, God wants us to know about him. He's not just any disciple. God wanted us particularly to know about this young man, Timothy. You say, well, the church is just about the older folks and the mature folks. They're the only ones that have a place. No, the church is about all ages and yes, there's a place for you as young men and young women in the church, right? There is a, there is a reason why we, we take time to, um, to highlight 
highlight youth and to spend time and to have a team program and, and different things. Not, it's because you do have a part. There, there's a reason why there's, there's opportunities for you to get involved and for you to go on men's retreat and to be along with the, um, with the big guys or the, the men. We want you to be a part of that. And so that's very important. This certain disciple. Now, again, Lystra was this place that that Paul was stoned. And you could think that maybe Paul wondered what happened of any spiritual value there. They ran me out of the city. They stoned me to death. Well, one amazing thing that happened, he was raised. I mean, he, he walks back into the city. You talk about courage. But you realize that sometimes the greatest triumphs, spiritual triumphs, happen out of the, the darkest times in our lives, the most difficult times in our lives. Think about some of the times that you can maybe look back, that was a very difficult time, but God was doing something there that I didn't get to see till years after the fact. So, you know, on the first missionary journey, he's moving on to the next place, but once he comes back in the second missionary journey, he realizes, you know what, there's a certain disciple here, and there's a church that is meeting. There's a church that is meeting. We talk about the brethren. The brethren are gathering together, and so here's a certain disciple, committed follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus defined what a disciple is. He said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciple indeed. If you continue in my word, if you take repeated steps in my word, then you're my disciple. And every single one of us needs to be encouraged today to be a disciple of Jesus Christ this week. You've been saved 20 years. It doesn't mean you're a disciple of Jesus Christ if you're not continuing in the word. Right? So it doesn't, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. You and I are only disciples when we take and practice the word of God. So how are we going to do that this week? How well are we going to do that this week? I think that's a decision we ought to make even tonight. Lord, help me to walk in your truth this week. Everything you show me, I'm going to do. When your Holy Spirit prompts me, I'm going to obey. I'm going to follow through. There's a difference between a believer and a disciple. And there are many people who will say, I have a salvation testimony. I've been saved and I've been a member of that church. Let me just say that. Being a member of a church and being a disciple are two different things. There's a lot of people who have a membership of a church but are not disciples. And here we find Timothy, a certain disciple, and it's the Holy Spirit that's putting that, that, that tag on him and saying, hey, this is a man that we want, we want all generations to know about that. Can you be described as a disciple tonight? Young people, can you be described as a disciple tonight? Was Samuel a disciple? I realize he's an Old Testament individual. But there's a man that followed through on the word of God. At the age of what, five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there? Can our young people be disciples of Jesus Christ? Yes or no, young people? Yes? Yes? You absolutely can. And you should be if you take what you know of God's word and you put it into practice. Do you know what that starts with? Who said, ah, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right? Henry, I think it was. Well, do you know it? When, when little Henry in his home puts that into practice and obeys mom and dad, you're being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And when Mark, when you put that into practice in your home, you're being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Do you realize how, just, I'm not trying to point you all, I, I did just point you out. But you, that's for everyone. Do you understand that? When I, husbands, when I love my wife as Christ loved the church, which is a tall order, I'm being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so aren't you, right? So it just, it's just that practical. It's just putting it into practice. And so he was a disciple. I want you to turn over to Acts 2 and verse number 42. 
the importance, and as I consider that Waldensian church, the importance of, of remaining committed as, as believers. We live in a day of, of shifting doctrine. There's a lot of winds of doctrine, wouldn't you agree with me? There's just so much. And it means that we really need to get into the Word. Watch even how the music you listen to, it, it preaches a doctrine. Watch and make sure that test the spirits and see whether they be of God. So everything we do, we need to look and, and say, am I being uh, committed to the doctrine? But let's read Acts 2.42 together. Acts 2 and verse number 42. We're talking about the early church here. Ready, begin. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. What's the first thing they continued steadfastly in? We cannot be a strong church in this community. We will minimize our influence in this community if we move one inch on doctrine. We, it is primary, it's central. Why? What is doctrine? Someone tell me, what is doctrine? It's teaching, so that's the, the strict definition. But it's the teaching of what in relation to Scripture? So it's the teaching of Scripture. What is Scripture? It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we're talking about the, the teaching of who Jesus Christ is, the revealed Christ. Friends, do you realize that our church is founded on doctrine? It's founded on Scripture. You and I must remain committed to doctrine. There's a lot of shifting sands out there. There's a lot of people who say, well, we're going we're gonna to emphasize this doctrine, but not this. What did Paul say? I've, shun, I've, shun not, I, I've, I've worked to declare the whole counsel of God to you. It all matters. Well, doesn't it? It all matters. And so if we're going to be like a, a, like a Timothy, a one who is serious, be, uh, serious about being a, a, a following Jesus Christ, we have to be serious about the doctrines of Jesus Christ, following his word, continuing in his word day by day. And if the church is to be that, we have to be that individually. It's not enough for somebody else in the church to know doctrine. You must know doctrine. You must follow doctrine. You must be able to sniff when the doctrine is not right. When something's, something's just out of place, we live in a day where it's, it's let's all just get together and, and be together. I um, oftentimes will get requests from people trying to unify the body of Christ across Dayton. And they'll come to me and say, will you be involved in this? And it sounds good on the outset, but you know what? I find that they're not pastors. Uh, they, haven't, they haven't been given that, that spiritual uh, lead. They're just, they're, they're a, uh, individual trying to create a program to unify just get everyone together listen we unify around doctrine to the level of truth that we agree upon determines our level of fellowship read first john read second john the level of truth that we agree upon determines our level of fellowship. That's not us being nasty, but this is the word of God, and we, we have to obey it. What's the, first, what's, the first, what's the first distinctive of Baptist? Letter B. Biblical authority. It is Bible, but biblical authority. Biblical. This, this, there's no one trying to unify the churches of Dayton. That, they're not our authority. This is our authority. 
We do not have the right to, to cut out this verse or to cut out that doctrine or say that doctrine is important, but not that one. It's all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. All Scripture. So here's, here's Timothy. He is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. You say, well, you got a whole lot out of this whole a certain disciple. That's what disciple is. A disciple is one, hey, you, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And they followed Jesus three years, and they followed him even in the face of him being put on the cross, and they followed him. Almost every single one of the disciples died for their faith. John died of old age, but he's still boiled in oil on the Isle of Patmos. And these men died for Jesus Christ, and they, they, they risked their lives for following Jesus Christ. They hurt for following Jesus Christ. What is that? That's someone who's really committed. So when the Bible speaks of being a disciple, it's not talking about someone who's half-hearted, but it's talking about someone who is committed all to follow Jesus Christ. And Timothy was that type of individual. So Timothy was serious about following Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 2. which was well reported of by the brethren. Let's say that out loud together. Which was well reported of by the brethren. I want you to notice that Timothy was serious about being like Christ. He's well reported of. He's well reported of. The idea of to be, they would testify about him. They would give feedback in our day. They might write a review about Timothy. And they, they wrote about him. This man, he lives a good Christian life. This man, we can't say anything bad about him. He is blameless, as we heard about in Sunday school this morning. They had a firsthand account of him, and they, they, they said, boy, we approve of his life. We approve of the way that he interacts with the older people. We approve of how he honors his, his mom and his dad. And we, we see some good things in Timothy, and, and they well reported of him. But what's very interesting, the Bible says here that he's well reported of by the brethren in both Lystra and Iconium, do I have that right? Uh, Lystra and I I Iconium there. And I want us to realize, again, you saw the map, but those, those places are 25 miles apart. We can get in a car and be there in 25 minutes, but that's not the same in that day. Do you realize that Timothy had a good report, not just in his home church, but also in a church the next city over? That's powerful. That's amazing that a young man was well reported of by the brethren, the, the, the believers that were gathering in these churches. They were saying, hey, we know this young man, Paul, and he has a good testimony. He has a good walk with Jesus Christ. He's doing the right thing. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 2, let another, man's, uh, lips, uh, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth. Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth. Well, Timothy was being praised by these individuals. Timothy wasn't bragging on himself. He was being noted by these other believers. That young man, he has a good testimony. And I just ask of us, what is our testimony to the rest of the brethren here and even in other churches? You know, people pass through here all the time. They're traveling through. We had a missionary this morning. They're always passing through. You know what's interesting to me? Sometimes they'll... I'll, I'll have someone that's been through here, and they'll, they'll ask, how is so-and-so doing? And they might describe them, you know, short, gray hair, 
with a beard or whatever, you know, they, they might describe them in a different way. They don't remember their names, but how is so-and-so doing? Oh, that person, they had this job. They did this with me. How is that person doing? Do you know that our testimony gets out? Our testimony won't just stay here. What is our testimony to believers at large? And for Timothy, his testimony was well reported of. When Paul came through town to follow up on that church, they heard, Paul heard about Timothy. Paul didn't have to coax him. They, they gave it to Paul. He was well reported of. They testified of him approvingly of his discipleship, his commitment and likeness to Jesus Christ. So what do people say about us? They're a good disciple. They're an effective soul winner. Generous. What do they say about us? What is our testimony before the other believers, even from other congregations? Oswald Chambers said this, the expression of Christian character is not doing good, but Christ-likeness. If the Spirit of God has transformed you within, you will exhibit divine characteristics in your life not good human characteristics. God's life in us expresses itself as God's life, not as a human life trying to be godly. What they were seeing in Timothy, here's a, here's a young man whose discipleship is showing on the outside. He's living it out. And Paul, we just want you to know about this young man. You know what? We need to pray for our young people here that God will help them to be that type of disciple. Wouldn't you agree? But we have to live that too, don't we? Right? Amen. Sometimes we get so focused in on what people think about us. D.L. Moody said it this way, if I'll take care of my character, my reputation will take care of itself. May the Lord help us to mind our character. What's character? It's what we are when no one's around. It's what God knows that we are. That's an important thing for young people to, to remember, but all of us as well. But notice also Timothy in verses 3 through 5 was serious about the work of Christ. So he's a committed follower of Christ. He was a disciple. He, he was serious about his testimony. He was, he was walking in a way that others noted it and said, wow, there is a young man that, Paul, you ought to be aware of. But I want us to realize that he was also serious about the same thing Jesus was serious about. What was the mission of Christ here on earth? Well, let's turn to Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. I'll help you out here tonight. Luke 19 and verse number 10. When you get there, one of the young men... I want you to stand and read it, all right? I'm expecting the young men to be turning. One of the young men. Luke 19.10. Stand and read it with a good, loud voice. Go ahead. It's all yours, Landon. What was his purpose? To seek and to save that which is lost. Thank you, Landon. To seek and to save that which is lost. What did Timothy get on board in doing? He's going to go on a missions journey with, with Paul. Now, I want us to think about this. What we just heard, what we just heard from Brother Corey, I believe God's going to move us in the same way. He's going to take some of us and maybe some of you young, young men and women 
He's going to put you on these different missionary journeys and say, hey, you go, you go work on the gospel for a couple months. You, you go out and you take part in this. I have a prayer that my kids will be able to be on the mission field and take part with some, some pastors. I, I have a prayer, about, a prayer about that in specific. Timothy was going to be able to go in this way with the Apostle Paul. Now, Timothy was noted as already being a person who was serious. Paul didn't come along and say, oh, let me find the most laughy, silly young person and take him along and reform him on the trip. No, he found a serious disciple and took him along. He was well reported of ahead of time. He was already had a good testimony in the church. He was serious-minded in the church, and he was willing to go with them. And look at verse number three. Him, would Paul have to go with him? He wanted him to go along. Paul was serious. Now, do you remember what happened with John Mark? Do you remember what happened with him? He went not to the work on the first missionary journey, and Paul says, no, no, we don't, we're not going to take him on the second missionary journey, but now we have Paul saying, this young man, I want to take him on this. I want to take him as my sidekick. I want to take him along to help me out. And this was the same practice that Jesus practiced. He took people along with him. Paul was going to do the same. Now, I do find this interesting. Paul had... Who else on the second missionary journey? Do you remember? Who was his other guy? So it was Paul and Barnabas, first missionary journey. And Barnabas wanted to take John Mark on the second missionary journey. Paul and Silas. Very, very good. Remember in Philippi, what happened to them? They were beaten and imprisoned. They sang praises of the Lord at night. So we have Paul and another older man. And what's he doing? Taking along a younger, a younger man along to train him. What do you think Timothy got to do? What do you think, guys? What do you think Timothy got to do on this journey? Carry bags? I mean, he probably, he probably, hey, hey, would you go uh, pick up, you know, the, uh, the, the quick order from uh, whatever their McDonald's was of the day? Um, I don't know. Would you, would you cook? He probably got a lot of the, the menial tasks, but he was along on the, on the journey to help out the Apostle Paul. And we see over and over, Paul mentions Timothy. In fact, outside of Timothy, outside of Timothy, those letters to Timothy, he is mentioned 17 times by the Apostle Paul. This was not a, 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 you know, a side character. This was a young man that really marked the ministry of the Apostle Paul. He came alongside and he was found there serving and helping the Apostle Paul wherever needed. Go here, encourage those people, bring my cloak and he was just always there serving, serving the Lord by serving the Apostle Paul. But I find it's interesting he was willing to go with him to the work, and ministry is a work. Ministry is a work. A missions trip is not a vacation. Ministry is a work. If we had the idea, and sometimes people, people ask, boy, it must have been wonderful to go on a mission trip. Yes, it is, but it is a work. It's spiritually taxing. It's physically taxing. So he was willing to go with him to the work. But he's also willing to give up his rights. Look at verse number three. I think sometimes we just skip over these type of verses. But him would Paul have to go with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews that were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. It was a big deal. Uh, circumcision was a ceremonial practice of the jews 
it was a sign of the covenant. It looked forward to, it was a type of Jesus circumcising the, the sin of our heart, taking it away. And it was a beautiful picture in that way, but it was a sign of the covenant. So it was a Jewish practice. In fact, the, the, uh, the uh, early church didn't say that they had to be circumcised, but in order for Timothy to be effective in the ministry, he needed to be circumcised. Why? Because they all knew about it. They knew his background, that his father was a Greek. And so if he was going to be effective in preaching the gospel and helping the Apostle Paul, especially in ministering to Jews, he needed to be circumcised. Now, let's just be, be real here. This was, this was a, a giving up of a right for Timothy. If he's 16 years of age, it's a giving up of a right. It's a giving up of something, uh, it, it, it's a difficult thing to go through. And I'll just leave it there, but the reality is we might skip just right over that, but that's not an easy thing. Wouldn't you all agree? That's just not an easy thing. And we sometimes think, well, you know, that was 2,000 years ago, and, and that, that was just a, you know, a couple words in Scripture. But right there, I guarantee you there was pain, and there was, there was a lot of submission of heart and mind. Why? And Timothy went along with it what, for what purpose? For the cause of the gospel. And I realize that if we're going to serve the Lord, and if you are going to be, whether old or young, if we're going to be useful servants to the Lord, we're going to have to be willing to give up some rights. We're going to have to be willing to lay down some things in order to serve Christ. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians uh, 9 and verse number 22, to the weak, Paul said, became I weak, uh, that I may gain the weak. I I, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. So he's not saying I, I compromise. No, he's not saying that. But there are some things, preferences, there are some rights that I ought to lay down. Listen, if we go to the foreign mission field and we act all haughty as Americans, listen, that's going to cause a big problem. There's some things that we have to lay down. Some things that may be com- comforts and conveniences to us that we have to lay down for the cause of Christ. You know, you go to the foreign mission field and they want to treat you like gold. And you can go there and expect, boy, I'm an American, and I have all this at home, and so I expect this to be given to me here. You know, they'd have to go through a lot of expense to upkeep an American. Do we understand what we're talking about, Mary? Am I, am I talking right? And they will want to do that to show appreciation. But friends, there are some things we have to lay down and say, you know what, I don't need that. I can do without that, especially for a couple weeks or a couple months. I can do without that. I don't have to have that comfort. And there's things that we have to lay aside in order to be used of the Lord, in order to be effective ministers for the Lord and not not cause offense or not cause undue burden. And Timothy was willing to lay down this issue so that he could could follow Christ and he could be a good servant of Jesus Christ. I'd say that, that indicates Timothy was very committed. Wouldn't you agree with me? Very committed. How committed are we to the cause of Christ? How committed are we to being able to serve Christ? Listen, when we go, when we go and, and serve Christ, it's not about here are my preferences and here's what, how I want it to look. A true servant says, Lord, whatever. Just use me. I don't have to, I don't have to be paid. I don't, have to be, I don't have to be lauded. I don't have to be applauded. I, I just want to serve you. Just let me serve you. And Timothy was like that. Timothy was so committed to the cause of Christ that he gave up his rights, something that was not absolutely required 
by Scripture. You couldn't go into Scripture and say, Tim, well, this is what Timothy says, or what the Bible says. In order, for, uh, in order for you to serve Christ, Timothy, thou shalt be circumcised. No, it didn't say that. He gave up something that was a right, and he willingly gave it up so that he could serve the Lord Jesus and win some. And you know what this requires? A willing sacrifice of our own lives. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto me, which is your reasonable service. And so he joined the team. And as they went forward, they delivered the decrees. And what happened? Let's look at verse number five as we wrap this. Let's look at verse number five. And let's read it out loud together. Verse five. Ready, begin. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Isn't it interesting when we all do our part, what happens to the church? When we're serious about our part, you say, well, it's just a small part. That small part matters. When we're serious about our part, it makes the church to grow. It makes the church to be encouraged. Later on, Timothy would be sent to encourage the Thessalonians. We're going to get back into our study in Thessalonians, but 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 2, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you to comfort you concerning your faith. How old's Timothy at this point? Not very old. And he's being sent as a fellow servant, as a fellow laborer, a fellow minister. Well, we all want to be that. We want to be that serious. And so Timothy was a serious follower of Jesus Christ. He is serious about being like Christ, and he is serious about the work of Christ, and so ought we to be. Let's think about John Mark again. John Mark got on the missions journey with Paul and Barnabas. They get going, and uh, there was a point where he turned back and he says, I'm not going any further. I don't know, the Bible doesn't, doesn't detail exactly what caused him to go back, but he went back. So much so that Paul was not willing to take him on that second missionary journey. But we have Timothy who is willing to go to the work, he's willing to lay aside his rights so as to follow Christ and to go along with Paul, and God used him eventually using him as the pastor of Ephesus. We have two different stories of young individuals, one who did not go to the work and the other one who did go to the work. And we want to be like a Timothy, serious in our minds, serious about the following Christ, serious about being like Christ, and serious about the work of Christ. Every single one of us can benefit from the testimony of, of Timothy. Every one of us. And I challenge you with his testimony. I present his testimony to you tonight as, as an example of what we ought to be like as individual members of Grace Baptist Church. And so let's bow together and let's ask the Lord to help us to be like Timothy. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.